It's 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Ooh, it's time to talk sports on Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Give us a call, 682 1430. That's 682-1430. Or if you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Well, you know, the Florida Gators baseball team made a miraculous comeback. They were six and twelve at one point during the season, and you know, they got eliminated in the regional in Gainesville by Oklahoma. And uh, you know, some of my friends were really critical of Kevin O'Sullivan. They thought that he should have brought in Brandon Sprout, their ace, and uh, pitched him in the game, but I disagreed with him. And the reason I disagreed with him is because Kevin O'Sullivan has proven to be a superior recruiter, especially in terms of pitching. And one of the reasons he is is because parents understand that he's not going to sacrifice their kid's arm to win a baseball game. And I know personally there was a family who the mother and father both went to Florida State, and the dad even played at Florida State, and they sent their son to play for Kevin O'Sullivan because he was a pitcher, and they knew he would not sacrifice his arm to try to win a particular baseball game. So you, you got a fine line there that you're dealing with. You know, there's been coaches in the past that have done that. They've sacrificed kids' arms to win a game, and you know that's a short-term solution in my estimation. In that situation, the Gators were in is tricky because this was their third game in two nights. Uh, they had played twice on Sunday, and now they were playing Monday, uh, not to mention there was a five-hour and a half rain delay as well. Uh, what's interesting about the, you know, Kevin O'Sullivan's moves is the day before – Freshman Karsten Finvold, nine innings of relief <laughs> to uh, and a situation where they were stretched thin because they're having to play two games and win them both on the same day. An incredible performance. And actually, you know, the talk it, about the situation he came in with. Yeah, he came in, uh, nobody out in the first inning with the bases full, and he got out of that and then went the rest of the game, giving up only a couple of runs as the Gators stayed alive for another day, and they had the lead prior to this big, long rain delay uh, in the seventh inning, and unfortunately it was a four-run eighth inning that did them in as Oklahoma won that game. Uh, it was, was a tough loss, and it's easy to second-guess, why didn't you do this? You know, a manager has to make dozens and dozens of decisions, and and with without being there to know uh, he knows his players better than everybody else, you have to trust that he's he's generally pushes the right buttons. And he, this was one of his better managerial jobs this year because like you said the Gators were nowhere earlier in the season and it easily could have been a lost year because of all the injuries that they were dealing with they weren't sure they were going to make the SEC tournament and 12 of 14 teams make it yeah not only they make it they go all the way to the final where where they run in of course the buzzsaw that is Tennessee this year Uh, and then then finally uh, they get all the way to the final couple of innings of the last game of the regional so, you know, given what they've gone through this year and and what he produced, you know, some sometimes, uh, you know, you judge a manager by 
by the team that he's managing that year. And this was, a, you know, not a great team, but he turned it into a team that nearly won the regional. I, I think he did a really, really good job, one of his better jobs. In, in fact, now that the pandemic part is passed, I think, I think you're going to see the Gators, and you see this in the other spring sports too, you see them starting to reestablish their dominance and their, their contention in all of these different spring sports. Exciting time of year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough in the SEC because, as Steve Spurrier used to say, those other guys give scholarships too. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we are very fortunate on the show to have as one of our longtime sponsors, Allied Scrap Processors. Frank and uh, Lucille Julia started that business in 1956. They've been at the same location at 3330 East Main Street in Lakeland. They accept 10 aluminum, prepared and unprepared steel, cast iron, non-ferrous metals, motors, automobiles, and electronic equipment, including cell phones. They pay high market prices, they guarantee fair dealings, and they free, they freely offload what you bring in. Their number is 863-282-2972, 863-282-2972. And I happen to know personally Rose and Frank Gillia Jr., they run that business out there, and I've literally known Rose since she was born. And Frank, I've known since he was about four or five years old. We grew up on opposite ends of the same street and have known each other forever. So if you got something that you want in that area that you want to scrap, they're the people to talk to. Yeah, well, I, a terrific, a terrific business. It's conveniently located here in Lakeland as well. And, uh, you know, you can uh, be with something like that. You really want to go to somewhere where you can trust them and, and, they're the kind of trustworthy family type of business that uh, you can count on to do right by you if you're looking to scrap uh, any sort of metals. Exactly. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have with us Adam Silverstein from CBSSports.com. We'll be talking sports with Adam. You can give him a call, 682-1430. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Gator Bob Murphy former PGA Tour golfer. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O, Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O, Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and we're joined via Alexander Graham Bell's wonderful technological invention, the telephone, Mr. Adam Silverstein of CBSSports.com. Adam, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Oh, we appreciate you coming on with us. Um, I wanted to ask you about something. You, I don't know if you know about this or not, but um, a significant happening in what could be uh, a windfall for the Florida Gators is that five-star cornerback Cormani McLean has transferred from Lake Gibson High School here in Lakeland to Lakeland High School, where the secondary coach is Mr. Ahmad Black, former Florida Gator. Any impact in recruiting on that, you think? So I'm not, um, you know, fully well-versed with his particular recruitment right now. But okay. I certainly think that uh, going to Lakeland High School um, and having Ahmad Black uh, at Lakeland High School would bode better uh, for Florida landing his commitment than his prior situation. Not that the prior situation uh, was, you know, a, a poor um, opportunity for the Gators to land him, but, you know, no doubt going to that school with that coach 
um, there's going to be a lot of pressing for orange and blue, I would say. Adam, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was uh, there, there's been a lot of speculation about this Gator football team and where they might end up this season. To me, I'm mm-hmm. thinking eight and four would be a good year, maybe seven and five, possibly worse. And the schedule is brutal. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's early to tell, and you really don't know how Billy Napier is going to, you know, how he's going to coach. But um, your early prognostication of the Gators. So yeah, it's it's um it's going to be really difficult to get a gauge on what this team is going to play like until it gets through its first two games. And its first two games are certainly not easy. Now, they do host, you know, both of them, but they're playing Utah, uh, extremely talented team from the Pac-12 that's supposed to have a great year, very highly ranked in the preseason prognostications, and a Kentucky team that you know historically Florida has dominated, but Kentucky's given. U.S. fits and won a few games uh, against the Gators recently. So uh, both those games are at home. Uh, if, you know, Florida loses to Utah, beats Kentucky, and looks good in both of those games, then I think we'll have a really good grasp on what they're going to look like this season. But, you know, when it comes to, like, the, the teams that they're going to be facing, it's not that difficult of a schedule, at least compared to last year. Um, so the over-under, I think, is 6.5 wins for the Gators going into the season. I'm easily on the over. I think – there's no doubt in my mind that Florida can win uh, seven games. The question, as you kind of noted here, is can they win eight? And I don't know. Um, health is going to be a key factor. Anthony Richardson playing to the level that most expect him to, and the defense coming together under a, you know, it's a brand-new coaching staff, certainly a brand-new coordinator with a brand-new scheme. So if those things can happen, then Florida can exceed expectations in year one under Billy Napier, but it's just so early, and there's too many unknowns at this time. Our guest tonight, Adam Silverstein of OnlyGators.com and, of course, uh, the managing editor of College Sports at CBS Sports. Uh, You can uh, call and talk to Adam with us at 682-1430, 682-1430. Adam, Coach Joe here. It's it's great talking to you again. And, you know, uh, CBS Sports is the gold standard when it comes to golf coverage. And um, I've been meaning to talk to you about, uh, pick your brain a little bit about golf. And although it would be nice to talk mm-hmm. about Gator Billy Horschel winning the Memorial or, or, or talk about next week's big U.S. Open, <laughs> unfortunately, yep. the last 72 hours have seen an earthquake hit the PGA Tour in the form of this LIV series. And the PGA mm-hmm. Tour took action today. I was wondering if you could catch our listeners up into exactly why this tour LIV series represents basically an existential threat to the PGA Tour. Sure. Well, you know, uh, in, in golf, these golfers are independent contractors, right? So they commit to playing on a tour, which, you know, is the PGA Tour, you know, usually. Um, and in committing to play on that tour, the organization promotes them. Um, it guarantees a, a certain number of them are going to compete at all of these events that they have weekly for the, you know, the vast majority of the year, basically almost every month of the year, there's a PGA Tour event. In fact, it may be every month with maybe one or two exceptions. Um, but, but you know, there's a, there's a mutual benefit to these players being on the PGA Tour. And then there's other things that go into it. I don't want to go on a, a whole, you know, explanation. Uh, but the Live Tour, Live Golf, represents this threat because they're basically saying, well, what we want to do is schedule events whenever we want them. We want to take your best players offer them ungodly amounts of money completely backed by the nation of Saudi Arabia and pull them out of your tour at 
potentially major stops, not, not the majors, but big events like the Memorial or like other events um, like that, or just all these other stops where the PGA Tour is contracted to have events with these courses and these sponsors. And the PGA Tour obviously doesn't like that because these people are members. So long story short, the PGA Tour has been rallying against it. They've threatened to suspend members from the tour if they play for live. Um, the, there's a chance that certain players won't be eligible for majors based on a number of different factors. And the PGA Tour, what they've said is, hey, there's 17 players, including some pretty big names, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, who have basically said, we're going to play for live golf at least a couple of events, and we're going to get paid boatloads of money. I think Mickelson and DJ each got nine-figure guaranteed deals. I mean, that's enormous money. Uh, so the PGA Tour says, okay, if you're going to go do that, you're suspended. You're not going to be able to play any PGA Tour events. So the question for these golfers is, are they going to be able to play the majors? For the U.S. Open right now, they are going to be eligible because they've already qualified. Um, but for future events, they may not be eligible, and they may be choosing the money playing for a league backed by Saudi Arabia, which has a whole bunch of other you know, <laughs> contingent uh, uh, issues, right, certainly doing that. Um, they're choosing to do that over play for the PGA Tour and potentially give themselves a shot at playing major championships. So it's a huge controversy. I hope I summed it up uh, as brief of a manner as I possibly could. It's very, very complicated. Uh, but there is definitely two different warring factions right now, and players are caught in the middle. Yeah, the PGA Tour, Adam, announced today that the uh, 17 players, all of whom have teed it off the, uh, today in the first uh, LIV series event, it's in, outside of London, uh, they are suspended uh, including Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. Now, Dustin Johnson and Sergio Garcia, who's also participating, uh, two past Masters champions, they've actually withdrawn from the PGA Tour, resigned from the PGA Tour. And, yeah. and Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed are expected to do so in the next week or two. They didn't They didn't play today, though, so they're not under suspension. In fact, I, I believe Patrick Reed's actually in the Canadian Open. Um, uh, Dustin Johnson, $100 million dollars. To, to join the LIV, Phil Mickelson, $200 million to join the LIV. Mm-hmm. But their uh, sponsors are fleeing from them. In fact, uh, even though DeChambeau hasn't officially announced, he lost a sponsor today, too. Uh, it's, uh, it's such a, 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 an amazing turn of events over the last few days. Have we seen the last of Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson on the PGA Tour? Is this going to stick? Well, that really depends on how long live golf lasts and what these players think of their time over there. Right. Um, You know, live golf may be backed by Saudi Arabia, but they're playing a lot of events in London. The United States was event in Portland coming up soon. That's the one that Patrick Reed and DeChambeau are planning to play. They didn't go to London, but they're planning to play that one. Uh, So, you know, look, there's no doubt that live golf has the money to sustain. They can just keep feeding money into the coffers, but you know, they've already spent, you know, probably a couple billion on this, and they're probably going to keep spending billions on it. There's a rumor out there that they made a high nine-figure offer to Tiger Woods, and there's no exact number on it, but I was kind of talking it over with some of my staff, and we're like, I think it was half a billion dollars that they offered Tiger Woods. Again, that's conjecture. I'm not reporting that. Um, but he, and he turned them down because he really values the major championships and the history of golf, which is not what this is. This is, in many ways, to, to inject a little opinion into it, it's a pure money grab for some of these guys. And depending on what your values are, you know, um, there's certainly tons of reasons to 
not want to be involved in something backed by Saudi Arabia, no matter how much you get paid to do so. There's also the whole sports washing um, concept of Saudi Arabia using sports to kind of wash over their crimes against humanity, murdering an American journalist, uh, you know, many of these things. So it's a very complicated situation from a political standpoint, in addition to a monetary standpoint. And, you know, people are free to make their own individual choices. And that's what a lot of these golfers are doing. But it's going to result in backlash. Now, if Bryson loses a bunch of sponsors, does he really care if he winds up getting guaranteed, let's say, eight eight figures maybe he got? I'm just guessing. Uh, to play on that tour, and he's going to potentially win some events there that could have a $25 million purse, they're going to have the largest purses in golf history, all of these events. So it's just a really complicated situation. It's very difficult to say where it's going to fall at the end of the day. But I will say that if playing in live golf makes these guys ineligible for the major championships, I could see them really giving it a strong second thought. And I could also see the PGA Tour saying, hey, you know what, if you go and play live, and you decide to renounce it and never play again, then we'll let you back and we'll release your suspension. So, you know, that's just a guess. It really remains to be seen. Adam, it sounds like it's a sticky wicket either way. You know, from a guy like Mickelson who's on the downside of his career, I can certainly understand why, you know, $200 million at this point in his career, he's not going to win that much money. I mean, I don't know what his endorsement deals are like, but even endorsement deals, that's a lot of money. For a guy like him, now a guy like Dustin Johnson, who's in his prime, you know he's he's taking a little bit more risk, but still, you know you get a hundred million dollars, you got to win a lot of tournaments to make a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And again, I'm sure he makes a lot of money off the course too. But even so, I mean, a hundred million. Think about what kind of sponsorships, what kind of annual winnings you need. I mean, you're talking about maybe five to ten years of earning immediately that he's getting, and and he can still win these events and win the purses. So he can go out and win $25 million at one of these events. So just because they're getting the nine figures doesn't mean they can't keep adding to it. And if it's a small field with, and they're the most talented golfers in the field, they're going to win a lot of those events. The question is, is anyone going to watch? I'm not going to, like right now, this first event, it's on YouTube and Facebook. I'm not going to watch it this weekend. You know, I, I'm also, I happen to be going on vacation. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but, I watch it, but, but I wouldn't watch it anyway. I wouldn't watch it anyway. That's the truth. Wait a minute! They didn't buy you too, did they, Adam? No, they did. no. I'm going on vacation inside the state of Florida. I'm not going. To okay, you're not going to London. They bought Arlo White. If you're a Ted Lasso fan, you've heard of Arlo White. I heard that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but of course I'm an EPL fan, so so they've taken him away from NBC to to broadcast these. It's run by Greg Norman, who has a vendetta against the PGA Tour. He's been trying for years mm-hmm. to to develop his own world tour. He failed. And they adopted the World Golf Championships instead, and sort of exiled him. But, but, but he's, mm-hmm. uh, but he's really a shark. He's he's going after this in a soulless manner, just trying to gobble up whoever he can. He is. I mean, when you think about the fact that the most frontward-facing person is Greg Norman, and some of the comments he's made publicly, which I'm not going to repeat word for word. I also probably couldn't quote them word for word. Um, but you think about some of the comments he's made publicly, where he's thinking he's trying to defend everything, but he's failing. And then you have Phil Mickelson, the comments that he said kind of in, you know, he thought was off the record, but actually was on the record um, in a conversation. And he just tore apart, not just the PGA Tour, obviously, he's done that publicly, but Saudi Arabia as well. And all of a sudden the guy's gone for three months. Um, And other people during these press conferences this week in London have put their foot in their mouth about what this is about, what they believe in. There were a couple golfers who were asked, hey, would you uh, go play a golf tour that was promoted by Vladimir Putin? And they're like, well, but 
we're not we don't have to face that option. We're like, well, yeah, but it's pretty similar. It's not that different. Um, so I mean, these guys are these guys are putting themselves in a really really difficult spot from a public relations standpoint. Now the question is, if they don't care and if they're just going to make tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, then that's their prerogative. It's, it's a free it's a free country. It's a free world in many cases, right? But <laughs> there are going to be consequences in some ways, and they're going to have to live with those decisions. Adam, I know that you are very knowledgeable about the Gators, and uh, the voice of the Gators, Mick Hubert, has retired. you have any insight yeah. as to who his successor might be? I don't. Um, I don't know if they're going to go in-house or if they're going to bring someone else in. I'm just not aware of, of what they're going to do. But, you know, Mick, what a long, distinguished career. I mean, if you think about Gators sports and you pick any moment in your head, that, this incredible moment, a play, a championship, whatever the case, there's a 99.9% there's a chance his voice is behind it, right, in terms of at least the radio broadcast or at least or, or, or elsewhere. So um, revered, super nice man, met him, you know, a half dozen to a dozen times while I was at the University of Florida, always extremely kind, and he had a great career. Uh, true legend, will never be forgotten, and, you know, I'm just glad that he got to go out on his own terms. Oh, absolutely, Adam, and we appreciate you uh coming out before your vacation and joining us tonight in the Ozone. Uh, we really wanted to, to talk to you about it. There's so much going on this week, just with the Gators, obviously, and with uh, mm-hmm. uh, with this LIV golf. And um, I guess uh, the last question would be, for, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Right? <laughs> man, that's a philosophical question that's uh, probably beyond a sports talk show, but I do appreciate you <laughs> asking it. I, look, l- let me tell you this, right? Um, depending on my situation in life, if I was a professional golfer, would I play on the live golf tour? I I got to tell you, I probably wouldn't. Um, Especially if I was someone super successful, a Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth, many of these guys. So I am surprised that a couple of them, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, there are a couple of them that I'm pretty surprised are doing this. But for the others who are near the end of their careers, not really in winning form, um, have different priorities, than perhaps some of the other people on tour, it's less of a surprise. You know, is live golf going to work? I don't know. Um, I think if everyone sticks together, everyone else in golf, all the majors, uh, all the tours, the DP World Tour, the PGA Tour, et cetera, and they basically say, if you play and live golf, you're not getting any official goal, official golf ranking posts, uh, points. Sorry, I stumbled all over that. Uh, if, if they say, hey, you can't get ranked by playing in this and, and your wins don't count, then I think all those golfers are not going to play majors. They're really not going to like that, and they'll probably do yeah. that. But well, that I, remains to be seen. I guess we'll find out over the next few months with the eight events they have going on, and uh, we'll have you back on again soon to reevaluate that and also take another look at the Gators as we get closer to football season. Adam, have a great vacation. Sure. Thanks for joining us in the Ozone. Really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. That's, of course, Adam Silverstein of OnlyGators.com and at CBS Sports. And uh, you're listening to The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe here on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. You're in The Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right. And with us on the line is Cougar Lou. Cougar Lou, today in 1931, the Quail, Bill Verdon, 1955 Rookie of the Year with the Pirates, 1962 Gold Glove, passed away at 91 in 2021. 
it's not only his birthday, but also the Cobra, who was born in 1951. We're talking about Dave Parker. What do you remember about Bill Verdon? Well, I remember that he was the leadoff hitter for the Pirates for several years. And in fact, most notably during the uh, 1960 World Series, uh, you know, he, 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 he had two hits in the seventh game. And do you remember one of them was a ground ball that was a bad hop that hit Tony Kubek in the throat? Oh, yeah. The shortstop for the Yankees. And that kind of kept the rally going. Uh, that uh, enabled the Pirates uh, to win 10-9 to and Maz to hit his walk-off, his famous walk-off home run. But, um, uh, you know, uh, Bill Verdon was a terrific role model, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he was always somebody who appeared to be a very gracious human being. And, uh, uh and so I guess I remember two things about him, that he was a pretty darn good ball player because he had a 267 lifetime batting average, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and he seemed to be just a fine, fine person off the field as well. Pretty good manager too, huh? He, he did. I think he had about a 518 winning percentage as a manager. I think he won like 590 games and lost 515 or somewhere in that neighborhood but he was he was a he was a pretty good manager and he had what he had he managed the pirates he managed the yankees uh i know he he i think he managed i know he coached at the uh, for the astros and i think he managed there for briefly as well I, but i'm not positive my memory's not that good <laughs> you know on the other side of the coin you mentioned what a good role model verdon was Dave Parker, to me, that guy wasted so much ability. I'm not sure that there's ever been another guy that had more raw athletic ability than he did. He was like 6'5", about 230, one of the best arms I've ever seen from right field. Seven-time All-Star, three gold gloves, 78 NL MVP. And, you know, he, he was 19 years in the majors, hit 290 with 339 home runs, and two batting titles. But, you know, he testified under oath that he used cocaine, and not only did he testify that he used it, but he actually helped other guys get on cocaine, one of them being Steve Howe. And uh, another one was J.R. Richard that he said that he helped to get cocaine. And you wonder, you know, if that might have contributed to J.R. Richard's death. Well, and you know, uh, you mentioned Steve Howe. My gosh, he he just ne- had seemed had had a never-ending battle with with drugs, and boy, that was a waste of of, of God-given talent. Oh as yeah. Well, um, but uh, you know, Dave Parker played high school baseball at the same high school as Pete Rose. I didn't uh, know that. Western Hills. Western Hills High School in Cincinnati, Ohio. He, now he was born in Granada, Mississippi. Uh, Dave Parker was, but his father was a shipping clerk uh, for a, a big shipping company in Cincinnati. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, you know. And gosh, he played. He was kind of a, wound up as kind of a journeyman, actually. Or a, I guess he just he because he one of his uh, world. 
championship rings came from Oak, the 89 Oakland A's, right? I think you're right. Yeah, I think he won two World Series, one in 79 with uh, with uh, Willie Stargell's We Are Family Pirates, and uh, and the other one was uh, 1989 Oakland A's. But, um, yeah, you're right, great raw talent, and gosh, only one wonders how great he could have been. You know, let me ask you this. All right, 19 years, 290 batting average, 339 home runs, two batting titles, an MVP, three gold gloves, seven-time All-Star. Is he a Hall of Famer? Boy, he's awfully, he's awfully close. And you know, I, I, if he would have, you know, been able to come a little bit closer, I think to that, to that magic 3,000 hit number, there wouldn't be any question about it. You know, I agree. He, he, he was injured quite a bit too. Um, he missed quite a few games as a pi- as a pirate, I know. Um, but uh, yet, two uh, two two terrific Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and uh, anyhow, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me visit uh, about both these guys. Well, we appreciate you calling in. It's always good to hear your voice and always um, pertinent and knowledgeable. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks, you, Cougar you, Lou. Yeah, you bet. Bye-bye. All right. That's my man, Cougar Lou. You know, Allied Scrap Processors, they've been in business. The same family's owned them since 1956. They're located at 3330 East Main Street here in Lakeland. They process tin, aluminum, prepared and unprepared steel, cast iron, non-ferrous metals, motors, automobiles, and electronic equipment, including cell phones. So... They pay high market prices, a guaranteed fair deal, and free offloading if you have something heavy that you need. Their number is 863-282-2972. 863-282-2972. Give Rose and Frank Julia a call out there. Coach Joe, you know something about this business, don't you? Well, a little bit, because when I'm not Coach Joe, uh, I'm involved in law enforcement and, of course, probably have heard about it lately that you know this comes and goes from time to time where there's a rash of scrap metal type of thefts or 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 thefts where where you can get easy money by scrapping it it can be difficult to trace one of the ways you fight that though is through the cooperation of the uh, scrap metal processors and i can tell you from experience that allied are among the best to work with to help make sure that everything is done above board and that your your private property doesn't get stolen and scrapped by an unscrupulous scrap meddler who doesn't take the time to be vigilant to make sure that the property is belongs to whoever is scrapping it. And, and so what you have with Allied is you not only have a quality uh, scrap processing plant, but you also have good citizens running it. And that means a lot. And you, know, you talk about supporting your local businesses and supporting the families of Lakeland. If you have a scrap metal needs, that would be a great place to go. They'll take good care of you there. No doubt about it. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. We come back, we'll have some more. We might have a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Scott Strickland, Athletic Director at the University of Florida. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Go Gators! The Ozone. 
Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the house, ready to go. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right. Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. Let's go ahead and throw our sports quiz out there, and then we got our man Daryl coming up. Of course, we have a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House to our sports quiz winner. They're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. You go out there and watch your favorite sporting event on any one of their 40 strategically located television sets. They have drinking meal specials every night of the week, so your $30 will go a long way. Here's what we want to know. If you haven't won in the last six months, what was the first sporting event ever televised in the United States? Was it A, baseball, or B, football? That's pretty easy, 50-50, 682-1430. And that's what our man Daryl called in on. Daryl, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. I, I, was, I enjoyed the fact that uh, Scott Strickland came in before me and talking about the ozone. <laughs> he's he's making Jeremy Foley look like a genius. Uh, I, you know, I loved Jeremy Foley. I think Jeremy Foley was one of the best athletic directors there's ever been. You know, he kept Florida in the black when a lot of schools weren't in the black, and Florida won a ton of championships in various sports when he was there. He had a Jeremy Foley had a passion for winning games. He did not like to lose. Yeah, you're exactly right. And he did. He made some pretty good hires. I mean, he made some bad ones too. But um, overall, he, he made some pretty darn good hires. Well, we're wait. I'm I, I, I'm still waiting to see what's going to happen with this guy now. But anyway, that what I wanted to talk briefly about. You had somebody talking about this new golf tour, right? Let me tell you something. Um, do you remember the days when you could only watch one? college football game oh yes i do yep and then what happened they sued yes sir the college cfa the college football association was formed and they sued and who decided it the supreme court did well i think vince dooley and the university of georgia Georgia. there were a couple of schools and i think they were one of the leaders in that they they were they were one of the big ones their name was on the lawsuit this is restraint of trade. This will not stand up in court, and for them to even attempt to to hold on to their monopoly is they've they've blown it, in my opinion. Just like the NCAA has blown it with NIL and everything. Don't fight these. Don't fight these issues. Restraint of trade and freedom of movement in the courts because you're going to lose them every time. Daryl, from a tax standpoint. The money they earn over there, how would that be treated if they live in the United States? Well, it's tr- it's tr- that money is treated as income, absolutely. Treated as income. They're going to have to pay taxes on their worldwide, what we call worldwide income. Yeah. But, yeah, there's, but I, I don't understand. I, I just don't understand what, what their position. You and I both know, and you can, we, can, we can argue about this if you want to. This is not about social issues in Saudi Arabia. This is about maintaining a monopoly is what they what it is. And they want to maintain it and the PGA wants to maintain a monopoly and they want to control what the players do. And I think I think Phil Mickelson has it right. I think Jack Nicholson had it right too. Nicholas. I think he had it right. Yeah. 
Well, at I this think point, that's what it's about. At this point in Mickelson's career, he'd be a fool not to take the money. I mean, he's on the downside of his career. He's not likely to win a whole lot more. Um, and when you got that guaranteed $200 million, that, that'd be hard to turn down. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bottom line is this, is if, if they – the PGA Tour will stand on its own because of its history and its prestige. They don't need to argue with these people about just money. Just, just let, them, let them play in these other events. So be it. If they win a lot of money, you know they're all going to want to come back to play in the U.S. Open. They're all going to want to come play back in the Masters, the PGA, the British Open, you know, those – and, and the PGA will do fine with this. This is, this is some hardhead somewhere thinking that they, you know, that they can get away with this. It won't work. Just like the NCAA thought they could get away with restraint on, on televising football games. Well, you know, one of the things that's a little bit different in this situation is the PGA is an association. It's made up of the players who actually set the policies that they all agree to stand by. And it was sort of me, Ronnie, you, you know, uh, would be if you worked at a bank and you want to say, hey, you know, this other bank's going to pay me on a, uh, every other week to go to go work for them, too. The bank you're working for that you agreed to work for and accept and, and, and the terms of your employment agreement uh, would say, no, you can't go work for another bank. you got to work for our bank. And it's not so much a monopoly, Daryl, as it is that uh, you're talking about the majors will be fine. Of course, they'll be fine. It's all the other to- uh, events that make up the tour and all the sponsors and, and stuff would dry up because all of the uh, – what would happen is if you only have to play eight events or so a year to make huge amounts of money – any, and you're allowed to do that. Anybody who, who's invited will go flocking over there, and you'll have and you'll have basically a super league like they tried to do over in Europe with the soccer. And that what the the smaller events or the regular tour events will be the ones to suffer. So I don't think it's about a monopoly as much as it's just protecting the tour. In fact, I, in I fact, disagree. Ronnie, if, if, I if, disagree if, totally. In, in, in fact, in in my in my lifetime, Ronnie, I don't know about you, I have never seen a established professional American sports league face such an existential threat as uh, as they do right now with the PGA Tour with this LIV series. Well, maybe the AFL and the NFL. Maybe, yeah. 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 But well, even, the, what, I, I, look, look at it this way. Look at it this way. In every business, and you call it an association, so is the NCAA was an association. They're all associations. They all play by certain rules. Major League Baseball is yeah. an association. They all, but what happened? But, but, but the players, the players who won the right to NIL, weren't part of the rulemaking process. They were subjected to it. You know, the, the they tour, all the tour, the they tour all... broke off from the PGA of America to to establish its own association for tour players who make their own rules. Now, the commissioner is just, you know, uh, the the head of it, but he doesn't actually make the rules as much as he said. These are the policies that you agreed to live by and not to compete against us it's like you, you know that's 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 where where i think they have the legal leg to stand on but you know uh, courts have surprised me in the past and and certainly the television decision was uh, the probably most significant moment in in making modern day college football what it is Absolutely. but but I, where we disagree is is i think it's is a big threat to the tour i don't think it's something they could just absorb and shrug off i i, I mean Look at how many different winners there are in the tour every year. So for every guy that goes over to 
Saudi Arabia or wherever he wants to go over there and plays in an event. That gives another guy a chance to step up and win. And once he wins, guess what? He's an item as well. So it, it, it just broadens the, it broadens the scope of everything. I, I just think it's, I think it's bad politics. I think it's bad policy. I think it's bad publicity and everything else to fight this. I just think it's dumb. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine a court upholding what they're talking about. I just can't. And, and the problem is, is they're, they're, using, they're using this deal that Saudi Arabia is a, is a, you know, is a bad actor. They're using that as a, just a, is a, is a, is a, is a coy, as a red herring. It's, that's not the issue. Well, the issue the, is this control. isn't for the good of golf. This series yeah, is for the, the enrichment of whoever participates in it because <laughs> yeah, but, there's an unending supply of Saudi money being thrown around here. Hey, on a happier note, though, guys, uh, end of the first period in Game 5, no score up in New York, the Lightning and the Rangers. Oh, man. Daryl, we appreciate you calling in. Yeah, I, I it's always insightful. Out there. Just, just be watching it because this is, this, this is something that, you know, in, in America we just don't tell people – this is what they have to do all the time. And it's, the courts have proven that when you try to do that, you're going to eventually lose. Well, Ron, I described it as an earthquake earlier, and I think this, there, there's repercussions. We're just going to have to follow this as it goes. Okay. Yeah. Daryl, thanks, buddy. Appreciate Darryl, it. Okay, appreciate talk it. to you later. All right. That's our man, Daryl. Always insightful, always opinionated, always entertaining. Give us a call, 682-1430. This is easy, folks. you got a 50-50 chance here. What was the first sporting event televised in the United States? Was it A, baseball, or B, football? 682-1430. gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House and a ride on Eric Clark's Learjet. So what? All you got to do is give us a call. What Learjet? <laughs> you, he might even let you fly it. Yeah, I was yeah, out of town a couple. <laughs> I was out of town a couple weeks ago, um, Ronnie, and of course uh, sick last week. So I, it's been a couple weeks since I've been to Ale House. My, my friends over there, Dax, and of course Jorge, the general manager, fret not. I'm going to do everything possible to make it there this weekend and say hey to everybody because I love it there that much. Great, great food. Oh, it is. I love they their food. They take such good care of you there. Oh, they do. They do. Six eight two fourteen thirty. That's the number. And all you got to do is call us if you haven't won the last six months. And it's 50-50 chance, folks. 50-50 chance. Oh, we got somebody that's hungry and thirsty. That's what I was hoping for. Good job. Yeah, we got to give this away. It's $30 yeah. of easy money, easier money than you can make on the LIV that's series. Right. That's, that's how that's easy right. it is. <laughs> I mean, Eric Clark laughs at that $200 million. He tips more than that. He doesn't wake up for less than $300 million. <laughs> No. Dwayne, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing good. You hungry and thirsty? Oh, man, all the time. No, that's what we need. That's what we need. What was the first televised sporting event in the United States? Was it baseball or football? You know, it seems like baseball's been around forever. I'd, I'd have to say broadcasting a baseball game. I'd have to say you're right. In May 17, <laughs> 1939, Princeton and Columbia I would have gotten that wrong. I didn't know it was a college baseball game. The first Major League game was also televised in 1939, but it was in August of 39. The Dodgers were hosting the Reds from Ebbets Field, and the announcer was former University of Florida student Red Barber was the first announcer on that televised game. It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. 
It really is. You ever been out the ale house? Oh, I have. I love that place. What do you get when you go out there? You know, I think I've had everything from the meatloaf to the to the steaks. The burgers are great, you know, and they got a great selection of draft beers. It's it's a great place. Oh, it really is. Well, if you'll thank you for listening and um, hang on the line, Eric will get your information. And uh, hold on to your wallet, okay. or you'll get your wallet too. So, uh, <laughs> <Got it. laughs> so <laughs> all right, thanks. thanks all right, guys. hang on the line. Thank you, Dwayne. We really right. appreciate it. And uh, Eric Clark, our man behind the glass, he's sitting over there. Man, he's hitting all the switches, pointing at us with his finger. Hopefully, it's the index finger, and he is tearing them up over there. <laughs> yes, sir. As always, the legendary Clarkster. So next week. Coach Joe will be in studio. I will be out on assignment, so listen to the Ozone.